The Mountain Vista Baptist Church podcast features the preaching and teaching of Pastor Robert Perry and the guest speakers of Mountain Vista Baptist. The purpose of this podcast is to help believers grow, to edify the saints, and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, men. Appreciate that. Take your Bibles with me this morning, please. Let's go to Genesis 18, please. Genesis chapter 18, back on January 24th, I believe it was, was our Vision Sunday. And that evening, as we spoke about our year's theme, as you see on the, on the slide, there are all things possible. I brought a message out of Matthew 19 and uh, involved Matthew 19 and verse number 26 that has that verse of, but with God, all things are possible. If you were here that night, you'll remember that the, uh, the scene that was set in that uh, message and through that portion of Scripture is Jesus and his disciples were teaching and, and uh, conducting ministry, and a young man, the Bible calls a rich young ruler, came and asked how a person uh, can know for sure that heaven is their home. Jesus said unto the rich young ruler, he said, if you'll sell all your things and give it to the poor and come and follow me, uh, you'll, the kingdom of heaven will be yours. Of course, the rich young ruler said, oh, I can't do that. Uh, I can't sell all those things. And he went away sorrowful. Now, we understand that selling our goods and giving to the poor doesn't earn us a place in heaven. But what Jesus was saying was a recognition of who is in control and who will provide for you. And uh, just complete faith in Jesus is what is necessary. And so, he said, put your faith in me. Forget all your possessions and all the things that you trust in to provide for you and come follow me and trust in me to provide for you. The rich young ruler said, I can't trust in someone else. I can only trust in myself and my possessions. And therefore, he went away sorrowful. Jesus continued on speaking to his disciples and he used the illustration. He said that it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Again, the, the thought is that of where your faith and where your trust is placed. And so to that, the disciples were like, camel, go through the eye of, the, uh, eye of a needle. Of course, that is a reference of a camel packed down with all of its all, all of its uh, all the things the possessions that it was carrying being able to go through a small gate there in Jerusalem that they called the eye of the needle and uh, not physically a camel and a literal eye of a needle of course but they, they were saying it's easier for that to take place than for a rich man to go into the kingdom of heaven and the disciples said well if that's the case like who can be saved we've we've left all but like, you're talking about true faith, and you're talking about just complete trust. Who then can be saved? And, and Jesus' response was, with men, these things are impossible. But with God, nothing, or with God, all things are possible, as we see there on our screen there. That was the beginning of kind of considering what Scripture has to say about our theme this year, about all things possible. Now, this morning, we're going to pick up, having finished our studies through the book of Romans, we're going to pick up over the next several weeks studying some portions of Scripture that talk about how with God all things are possible, or with God nothing shall be impossible, or with God that there is nothing too hard for Him. And we're going to study some of those passages, and, and I pray that as we do, that it will be an encouragement to our hearts to trust the Lord and just give Him our, our all as we put our faith in Him. And so I invite you in Genesis 18... We're going to read verses 1 through 15 this morning, and uh, we're going to study a, a portion of Scripture 
that the story, at least, is probably familiar with many. Uh, as we read along, you'll have probably maybe remembered it if you, were, if you grew up in church from Sunday school. You might have heard other messages on it, or if you read your Bible regularly, you might have even read this portion of Scripture. And if, you don't, if you're not familiar, that's okay as well, because we'll detail and outline exactly what is taking place here as we study this morning. But join with me in Genesis 18 and verse number 1. In verse number 1, it says, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye uh, your hearts, after that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah, and said, to, and said Make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and uh, make cakes upon the herd. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it to a young man, and he hasted to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. Verse number 9 says, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Wherefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? And verse number 14 says, uh, Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not. And she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Our Father, we do thank you for this morning and the opportunity to be in your house today. And our God, we'd ask that you just bless and that you uh, help everything that goes through the rest of the service to run smoothly. Lord, give me the words to speak as I preach this morning your word. Help us to hear from it. Help us to uh, help it to accomplish your work and your will today. We want, Lord, nothing more but to, to honor and glorify you through all that is said and done through the rest of the service and through what has already been done today as well. And Lord, we want your will to be accomplished as we learn more about you and how you are the God that can make all things possible. And Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Of course, you've picked up already that the story we're studying this morning is a story of the man named Abraham. If you know anything about Abraham, you know that Abraham's story is an amazing story of God's faithfulness to a man who was faithful to him, a man who put his faith and trust in God. It was a story of that includes many success, uh, successful events in it. It's also a story that, in, that details a lot of failures as well. It's a story of a journey of faith. It's a story of a journey of faith that, yes, included hardships, it included sacrifices, it included disappointments as well, but it also included great rewards and, and, and blessings from God. Uh, no doubt Abraham would have to be considered one of the heroic figures out of the Old Testament. Uh, we read about him. We, the kids sing a song about him. Father Abraham had many sons. 
and many sons had Father Abram. Anyone want to, anyone want to stand up and show us the motions? Uh, I didn't think so. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we, we know who he is, and he's, he's well known in the Christian world, of course. I believe that Abraham is also a model for the believer as to what faith ought to be and how we ought to trust the Lord. If you know anything about Abraham, you know that God came to this man who was a pretty well-to-do man. He had flocks and cattle and herds, and, and he had his own place, and he had family, and, and God plucked him out of the Chaldees and said, follow me, and I'll give you a land, a, a beautiful land. I'll give you the promised land. I'll make of you a great nation, and many people will be born out of you because of your faithfulness to me. And what did Abraham do? He said, yes, sir. And he got up and he went. Did he have bumps along the way? Absolutely. Did he fail along the way? Absolutely. Do we read a story even today where his wife wasn't even necessarily on the same page of having faith and trust in what God could do? Absolutely, we do. But nevertheless, we find that as we read today, Abraham's journey of faith is continuing. He's been walking with God at this time for roughly about 24 years from the time that God plucked him out of the Ur of the Chaldees and uh, been following the Lord's guidance up to this point. Along the way, he's had some setbacks. He's been promised already that he would have a son, that his wife Sarah would deliver a, a baby boy to them. And when things didn't happen on their timetable, Sarah said, okay, well, why don't you go in and try to have another uh, child with our handmaid and that of that handmaid of Hagar. And they had a, she bear Abraham a son that they named Ishmael. Ishmael at this time is roughly about 13 years old in this story that we're reading today. That promised son that, he, that God had promised to Sarah, unfortunately, had not been born yet still. And so literally, as we begin this story in verse number one, it, the day kind of kicks off as if it was going to be just an ordinary, normal day like any other before. It appeared that Abraham had kind of settled into the routine of life. We all have routines, right? You might have a, a, you know, a work schedule. Uh, it might be just a day-to-day -day routine that you do if maybe uh, you've retired from work and, or those types of things. For those who are stay-at-home mothers here today, your routine is just keeping the children alive, right? And uh, praise God for that. That's the, tar that's the hardest of the jobs out there. And uh, praise God for mothers, amen? But uh, we find that Abraham had kind of settled into that routine of life, just kind of going through the life and patiently waiting on the Lord. And while he might have woke up that morning thinking today was going to be like any other, this day, however, was going to be completely different than just ordinary. Because before the day was over, as we read, Abraham had an encounter with the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, we find times where it speaks of the Lord met with someone, or we find the term the angel of the Lord. And we find that even Abraham in another place, he gave, paid tithes unto one. And, and I believe these are what we, would call, we could call either theophanies or Christophanies. These are Old Testament appearances of God or the Lord Jesus Christ before his incarnation. And I believe that is what we're seeing here. I believe it's the Lord Jesus Christ that is pre-incarnate, uh, before he ever came, being born in Bethlehem as that little baby who is meeting Abraham here today. After all, it would have to be Jesus Christ because Scripture says that no man has seen God face to face and lived. And so nevertheless, if it were, and which I believe it is, this is the Lord Jesus Christ meeting with Abraham today. No doubt this is much different than a regular, 
ordinary day. And as we study this, this encounter, the message today is called this, a meeting with the one who's able to make the impossible possible. A meeting with the one who's able to make the impossible possible. And as we study this meeting that Abraham had with Jesus, the one who is able to make the impossible possible, I pray that it'll be an encouragement to each and every one of us to know that this God that Abraham met that day is the same God that we serve today. He's the same God that had the ability to do his will and nothing ever, never can and nothing ever will stop the Lord. And, and it's the same God that we serve today. And he still got everything in control. and He still got everything in his plans and he still holds the whole world in his hands. Amen. Amen. The children sing it. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole Come on now, sing it with me. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. We sing it. Keep on singing, Miss Beverly. Come on now, girl. Keep on going now. Stand up and testify now. We sing it, but the question is, is do, we, do we believe it? We sing about it, we speak about it, but do we believe he's got the whole world in his hands? Do we believe that truly with him all things are possible? That there is nothing too hard for him? And as we consider the events of this day in chapter 18 before us, as I said already, let's consider this meeting with the one who's able to make the impossible possible. Number one this morning, I want you to notice in verses one and two, this is a divine meeting. We find in verse number one, it says, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day, and he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. In these opening verses, it details the beginning of Abraham's encounter with the Lord. I want you to first notice Abraham's position here today, though, in verse number one. The Bible tells us that the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre as he sat at the tent door in the heat of the day. This was a normal occurrence uh, in those days because the, the work days and, and uh, the just routine of the day would begin very early in the morning, probably around daybreak, because once it came to the midday, the weather got very, very hot often. And the scorching heat would be almost too brutal to even bear or to work under. And so what would happen? They'd get up early while it was, a little, it was still cooler, and they'd try to get a, a lot of work accomplished. And then when the heat of the day arose, they would retire to their tent in, a, in an effort to try to relieve themselves from the brutal intensity of the hot desert heat. The Bible tells us Abraham was just doing his regular daily routine of doing that. He had probably gotten up early. Let's not forget, Abraham was a well-to-do man before the Lord ever took him out of the Ur of Chaldees. That type of thing, that character of the man doesn't just leave him because things have changed. He's going to go about his day. He's still got things to take care of. Yes, he's got servants, but he's got some accomplishment things that he needs to accomplish himself. So he's been up early. He's worked in the morning to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. And now the heat of the day is, is there, and he's sitting in his tent, resting at the tent's door. Now, why was he at the tent's door? I don't know. Maybe he was, because he was a prudent man, maybe he was sitting there to keep watch over all of his possessions and his belongings and things that were going on. Maybe. 
that was the best place to have a good breeze. I don't know exactly. But he's settling in for his daily routine. Maybe the men here, this is your routine when you get home from work. You go in, find your easy boy recliner, kick your shoes off and hit the lever and just sit back and rest from a, a long day's work. I don't know. Maybe that's your routine. But what I'm saying is this was Abraham's routine. This was what Abraham regularly did. He's come, he's come in from his day of work. It's, it's been hot. It's been sweaty. He's settled into his lazy boy recliner and pulled the lever and he's sitting back. But this day, although he thought it was an ordinary day, was quite extraordinary. Because as he looks out, he sees three men approaching. And as he sees these three men approaching, he recognizes that one of them is the Lord himself. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But before we move on from this thought of the position that Abraham was in, I'm just trying to stress to you this fact. He was about his daily business. He was about his daily routine. But that didn't keep him from being aware of when the Lord showed up. I'm afraid that too often what happens in our life is that we fill our schedules to the brim. And we go from one thing to the other, from one event to the next, and we schedule and we schedule and we schedule. And if the Lord wanted to show up in our life and do something special, we would miss it because we've just not made any time for it. Abraham could have easily flopped down in his lazy boy recliner, pulled the lever, kicked his feet up, closed his eyes, and took a nap that afternoon and missed the arrival of the Lord. But he was watching and waiting and looking for the Lord to be a part of his life because notice his perception here as we move on to verse number two. Verse number two, it says, And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And he saw, uh, when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And verse number three, he says, And my, he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Abraham recognized that this was not an ordinary, casual visit, but this was a visit from God himself. And he was not going to be denied the opportunity to be, of being in the presence of God himself. Now, can I say this morning, I've never had a physical encounter with God like Abraham had that day. I've never had a physical encounter with God like the disciples did as they walked the shores there of Galilee and as Jesus walked this earth and, and taught them face to face. In fact, the apostle John writes in 1 John that his eyes literally beheld him, that his hands had physically touched him. I've never had that type of an encounter. But what I am here to tell you this morning is I have had times in my life where I know that God is real. The day that I called upon Christ as my Savior was a day that I knew that God was real. When I study His Word, and, and I, just, I just read His Word, and, I, and He reveals what He is trying to teach me, and reveals Himself through His Word, it's, it, I, I know that He's real, and I know that I'm in His presence, and I want to be like Abraham. That even though I do have a regular routine, and I do have things that I have to accomplish, and I do have things that I have on a schedule, that I will not allow my schedule to keep me from experiencing the presence of God. Amen. We can never be more busy or too busy to allow God to move in our life. Sadly, a lot of times what even happens is 
is we'll even have time scheduled for studying the Word or praying, but it's just another to-do task on our list of things to do. I don't ever want to lose my perception of seeing how God is working in my life. You say, I just don't ever see God working in my life. I can tell you this, it's because you're probably not looking. Even the smallest of things, we've got to recognize that God has His hand in. Any good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. We find here that this was a divine meeting, no doubt. But notice, I want you to see number two this morning, a devoted meekness out of Abraham in verses three through eight. Verse number three, he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. I will fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort ye your hearts, after that ye shall pass on. For therefore are ye come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened and into the tent unto Sarah and said, Make ready quick three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the earth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf, tender and good, and gave it unto a young man. And he hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk and the calf which had been dressed and set it before them. And, stood, and he stood by them under the tree, and they did eat. Here we discover the submissive attitude that Abraham had and his desire to just simply serve the Lord is noted as well. Notice Abraham's plea in verses 3 and 4. Abraham wanted to do all that he could to accommodate the Lord so that he would be able to spend time in his presence. We find in verse number 3, if I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee. Abraham knew that he was in the presence of God and he didn't want it to be short-lived. He saw the Lord passing by, and he did not want him to just pass by his house and go on to somebody else. He wanted to spend time with the Lord. Can I go back to what I kind of mentioned just a minute ago? That, yes, sometimes we schedule. We might put it on our calendar to read our our Bible. We might put it on our calendar to come to the weekly Wednesday night prayer meeting or a monthly prayer meeting like we had on this past Wednesday night. But how often are we just, are we guilty? Honestly, are we guilty? of coming to that time because it's on our schedule and then wanting to get it over with so that we can move on to something else on our schedule. That wasn't the attitude of Abraham, though. I wonder, do you think Abraham's day was finished? Do you think that he, had, do you think that he probably had some more to do that day after the sun began to set and maybe things started to cool down again after he had replenished from being tired that morning? I'm sure he probably did. I mean, if, there, if we can compare our culture to his culture at all, which is a stretch, no doubt, but if we could, after you get home from work, you still have things to do at your home and stuff to be accomplished, right? I'm sure that was the case for Abraham, but we don't see Abraham saying, all right, Lord, uh, can you go on and uh, move on, mosey on to somebody else so I can get my work done? That wasn't his attitude. He said, no, stay a little longer. Rest yourself. Let me gather some water to wash your feet. Let me get you some food. Let me get you something to kind of sustain you and to take care of you. Surely, surely we want to be in the presence of the Lord every time that we have the opportunity as well, right? Surely we want to be in the presence of the Lord and for it to not to be just a a period of time, for it to not just be a, a time that is fleeting, but that it's a time where we can say it has been good. 
to be here. <laughs> I think of Peter, right? Peter on the Mount of Transfiguration. He's gone up there with, uh, with uh, James and John and Jesus, and Jesus asked them to pray, and unfortunately they have fallen asleep. But as they're praying, Moses and Elijah have, been, have showed up, and Jesus is being transfigured. And Peter awakens to that. He's like, whoa, what's going on here? I can't believe I've missed some of this already. And Peter says, it's good for us to have been here, so let's make these tabernacles. Why? Because he didn't want it to stop. He didn't want it to end. He wanted to stay in that presence. He wanted that experience. Isn't it a wonderful thing? If, especially, listen, if, especially if you came to know Christ later on in life, when you come to know Christ, you probably had this feeling of, man, I can't believe that I've missed all of this all of my life, and I, I can't believe that I missed out on serving the Lord in all those years, and you're on fire, you're pumped up. But how often is it true that we kind of let those fires dwindle out? We're not as excited about the things of God anymore. Would to God that we would just be as pumped today, years after we have come to know Christ as our Savior, as the moment, very moment that we trusted Him as our Savior as well. Here, Abraham, his plea was, God, don't depart from me. Stick around a while. That ought to be our plea as well. Notice his priority, though, in verses 5 through 8. He went to fetch a morsel of bread, and he wanted to comfort them. He got Sarah to begin to put together the cakes, and then he went, ran and found the calf and, and took care of it to make sure that it was uh, dressed and brought to them so that they might be comforted. Abraham knew the significance of this moment, and he wanted to do everything that he could do to provide for his heavenly guest. Notice his priority to serve in verse number five, and I will fetch a morsel of bread and comfort ye your hearts, and after ye shall pass on, and for therefore ye are come to your servant. And they said, so do as thou hast said. But we find here that Abraham, yes, he's a sojourner, if you wanted to put it that way, but that doesn't mean that he still not, doesn't have resources. We find in just a few more, few more verses, he has a servant to help dress that little, uh, that, that, uh, that, that the flock that he brought in. And uh, so he's got people that he could have said, hey, run off and go do this. But I don't see Abraham saying, I want somebody else to serve the Lord. I see Abraham saying, I want to serve him. And when a person recognizes that they've been in the presence of God, it is going to ignite a fire within their heart that says, I want to serve my master. Now, don't get me wrong, being in the presence of God is the main thing. Mary and Martha, Martha, Mary and Martha is the perfect example of that. But once we have basked in His presence, it is going to ignite a fire in us to want to serve and accomplish His work and will so that we might bring honor and glory to Him. And we find clearly the priority of Abraham was to serve his Lord. Unfortunately, the church is often filled with people that just are content with being spectators in what is going on in the work of the Lord. They want to be fed and go on and do their own thing. But my friends, I believe that when we truly are fed from the Word of God and encouraged in the Word of God, that because we have been strengthened in the Lord, we want the Lord to help us to deliver His Word to someone else so that they might be strengthened in the Lord as well. And if I am just simply content with sitting by and letting the Lord pour into me and never willing to want to help someone else and be the vessel through which the Lord uses so that someone else can be poured into, I need to, I need to examine my heart. I need to see where I, why I don't have that desire 
to serve the God, to serve the God that has done so much for me. I don't want to be, this is here, I'll put it this way. I don't want to be guilty of expecting someone else to pick up and do a task for the Lord that the Lord wanted me to do. We find that he had a, his priority was to serve, but his priority also was to satisfy in verses 6 through 8 as he goes and gets Sarah to begin to make those cakes, and he goes and involves a young man. Listen, I believe that as we serve the Lord, one way to help pour into others is involving them in the work of the ministry as well. And here, Abraham served God personally, but he got somebody else involved as well. His wife, Sarah, he got this young man to get involved as well, to come along and dress the calf. And nevertheless, but he had a desire to satisfy the Lord. And, and how often do I serve the Lord with a, a genuine desire of actually pleasing Him? Or am I serving Him so that I might be able to get the limelight or get the glory? That ought not be, my friends. I ought not seek a position of serving the Lord so that everybody can give me a round of applause. I ought not seek a position of serving the Lord so everybody can say, oh, wow, what a guy he is. I ought to seek a position of serving the Lord so that I can point all the glory and honor to Him. I want you to notice, lastly, as we close this morning, unfortunately, we see a disrespectful mistrust. As we read in verses 9 through 15, and they said unto him, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the, in the tent door, while, uh, which was behind him. And now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the, time of, uh, at the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou hast, but thou didst laugh. In our closing verses, we discover this sarcastic attitude of Sarah. But before we become too critical of her, Let's consider our heart as well. Because we find here the promise that had been given. We read it again in verses 9 and 10. This had already been previously given to Abraham that he would give Sarah a son. But years had gone by and it just hadn't come to fruition yet. But as we read here in verse number 9, it says, And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he says, Behold, in the tent. She'd just been busy helping to prepare the meal, and so she's probably in there taking care of things and cleaning up and, and doing all the things that the wife would do in those days and such. And, and so he says that's where she's at, but she's still close enough to hear the events that are taking place, right? I also have to stop. This is just a side note. This is how my mind works sometimes, right? We read that where was Abraham sitting when he saw the Lord coming? At the tent door. And he saw the Lord coming. He wanted to, he recognized who it was. He wanted to be a gracious host. He wanted to provide for the Lord. Why didn't he invite him in his home? I bet this is what happened. He probably stood up and said, Sarah, God's here. Sarah said, we ain't ready for visitors. There's no way this tent is ready. I, the, this, the kids have, Ishmael, get in there and clean your room right now. We've got visitors here. <laughs> Stall him, stall him, Abraham. We can't let God in this place right now. That's, I'm sure that's what it was. That's why she was in the tent still. She was still cleaning up in case Abraham wanted to bring God inside. 
So he sends them off to the outside underneath the shade tree, and they're sitting there talking and chatting. But she's within earshot, at least, to be able to hear what's going on. And, and God says, well, where's Sarah? And he said, well, she's in the tent. She's still taking care of things in there. And God said, well, here's the deal. I've made you a promise, and that promise is going to come to pass. You're going to have a child. She's going to bear a son. And we find the promise reiterated again, but notice Sarah's pessimism here as we get into verses 11 and 12. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well-stricken in age and ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. And here's Sarah's response. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. While I don't necessarily condone Sarah's doubt, we must realize why Sarah would have doubt. She's, she's roughly 90 years of age at this time. My grandmother had a set of twins at 40 years old. And people will say, well, that's crazy. I couldn't believe, think of raising twins, let alone twins at 40. Could you imagine having a baby at 90? I mean, ladies. Like, I've heard that, that giving birth is rough. I don't know. I mean, they say it's almost as bad as when a man has a cold. But nevertheless, <laughs> like, could you imagine 90 years of age? 90 years of age. No wonder she's denying this. And put on top of that, Abraham's almost 100. It just doesn't make physical sense that they would be able to have a baby. But we will have to admit, before we get too hard on Sarah, there's probably, been, probably have been times in our life where we've doubted God to some extent. Maybe we've prayed and prayed and prayed for something that we believe to be His will, like maybe for someone that we know or love to be saved. And that person just hasn't come to the Lord yet. We're thinking, why isn't God answering prayers? Why isn't He listening to me? And we maybe begin to doubt. And like Sarah, we might not have spoken up and maybe said it out loud, but our hearts would reveal that there was doubt that was felt. We know the Lord is able to do whatever He pleases, and yet many times we doubt that He will actually work in our situation. But notice God's providence here in verses 13 and 14. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Notice verse number 14 here. This is the, the driving thrust of the message. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. See, my friends, we find that although Sarah doubted that this could even come to pass, God said, at the right time, on my time, it will happen. My friends, God's time is never early, nor is it ever late. It's always perfect, right on His time. And he said, at the time appointed, she will have a son. She might sit there and think, it's physically impossible. We're too old. There's no way that we can have a son. Much like Mary in the Gospels when the angel came to her and said, hey, you're going to have a son. She said, I've never known a man. How could this even be possible? You know what? It might seem physically impossible, but with, like the answer of the angel, the answer is, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. 
See, my friends, when God sent his son Jesus, the book of Galatians tells us that it was at the appointed time. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. God could have sent Jesus Christ at any time, but he just didn't send him at any time. He sent him at the perfect time, at the right time. That's when he came. And the same is true for Abraham and Sarah, that at the perfect time, at the right time, at God's time, their son would be born. And even in seasons that appear impossible to you and I, we must trust that the Lord is ruler over all things that seem impossible. Because with him, nothing is impossible. Sadly, look at verse number 15, the protest of Sarah. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And Jesus' response, he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. See, hearing the words of the Lord, Sarah became afraid, and she began to, uh, to, to deny. She kind of tried to figure out some way to, to not get herself get in trouble. She says, oh, no, no, no. I, I didn't laugh. That, that, that's not what I was doing. I, I had a tickle in my throat, you know, and, and uh, uh, I was doing the dishes and, and uh, you know, uh, cleaning up and some of the spices I put on, that, on, on the little lamb over there. Uh, it, it got in there. I just started sneezing a little bit. It was a sneeze. It wasn't a laugh. And she's coming, trying to come up with all kinds of, uh, of excuses of how she didn't do these things. And it appears that she then recognized that the Lord might have been discouraged or, or disappointed in her lack of faith. However, though, the Lord knew what had actually happened, and He declared, yes, you did laugh, and He was aware of her doubt. He was aware of what was going on in her heart. But can I just step away as we close here this morning to say this? Aren't you glad that my reaction or lack of faith doesn't hinder our God? Sarah doubted, but she still had a son later on because God's purpose and will will be accomplished. I need to put this out there before someone misconstrues my words. God is not a vending machine. You don't get to go to Him and press a few buttons and say, this is what I want and sincere to God of all things possible and with, no, with you nothing shall be impossible. So this is what I want. Give me the impossible. I want to be king. Like, like he's some type of genie in a bottle, right? Make me Prince Ali, you know, or whatever. <laughs> That's not how God works. But God's will, his desire, his purpose will always happen, no matter how seemingly impossible it, it would take to be accomplished. And this is the case with what is taking place here. God promised a son, and even if Sarah didn't believe it, she was going to have a son. And I'm thankful this morning, if I could apply it to this way before we close, I'm thankful this morning that Jesus Christ gave his life for you and I. And if I would just trust him and in faith believe that he died for me, that regardless of my actions, which sometimes seem to speak contrary to believing that he's alive, even despite my words that sometimes would speak ill uh, or, or make others think ill of Jesus Christ, despite uh, what, no matter what I do, I have no say in the matter on whether or not Jesus loves me. I have no say in the matter on whether or not he wants to save me. If I just simply trust him, if I place my faith, in Jesus Christ, Romans 10, 13, for whosoever, 
shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. I don't have to get my act cleaned up. I don't have to be a good guy. I don't have to do anything but trust Jesus because he's already paid for it all. And that's his will. That's his purpose. And he's going to save according to his plan and his purpose. Same thing with the, what we see here with Abraham and, and Sarah and the, and the baby that will be born. I pray that as we've started today, or I guess you could say started back in January with the message out of Matthew 19, but as we hear on Sunday mornings, this start today, that as we consider God, a God that is able to make all things possible, that we, it would just re, reignite our faith in Him, that it would just bolster our trust in Him, that it would cause us to realize that when we follow His will, no matter how bad things might get, His will is going to be accomplished. My friends, God is, is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His last command to his disciples, and even still to us today, is to go and preach the gospel and see converts baptized and to see them di uh, discipled and growing in the Lord. And it, I, my friend, I don't care what kind of persecution might come against the church. I don't care what kind of regulations might be made uh, in, in, in some type of political statements or anything like that. Nothing ever can and nothing ever will stop the will of God from being accomplished. We just need to buckle up. And say, God, I'm with you. I trust you. And I believe your will will be accomplished regardless of how hard or how impossible it might seem to be accomplished. Can I invite you to stand to your feet, please, this morning? As Abraham had a meeting with the one who's able to make the impossible possible, I wonder this morning, have you met that one? Have you met Jesus? Has, has he become your Savior? Have you given him your heart? Have you put your faith and trust in him? Would you be able to say today that if I were to die right now, I would stand in the presence of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because I've trusted him as my Savior? My friend, if that's never been an opportunity in your life, I invite you today to meet the one who's able to make the impossible possible. I want to introduce you to the one who's able to save you this morning. And with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder how many here would say, Pastor, I'm sure I'm saved. I've met Jesus, and He's my Savior. Could I rejoice with you this morning? Just slip your hand up and right back down. Hands all across the auditorium. Praise God for that. Would there happen to be someone here this morning, if there's anyone, who would be honest enough to say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I've never met Jesus. Pastor, pray for me, that the Lord would give me the faith to be able to trust Him, that I might be able to meet Him today and know Him as my Savior. Could I pray for you this morning? Just slip your hand up and right back down. I see one hand. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure that I'm saved. I'm not sure that I've ever met Jesus as my Savior. One last question here this morning. Then how many here would say, Pastor, I know I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. But as I've lived this life I, we call the Christian life, as we journey this journey we call the Christian life, that uh, we experience things that, seeming, that just seem like they are contrary to anything God would want. It seems like things that would totally keep us from being able to accomplish anything good for God. But you'd say, maybe this morning, Pastor, after hearing the message today, it's kind of encouraged me again. It's reignited something within my heart to realize that no matter how hard the obstacles might be, no matter how deep the ditch might seem, uh, no matter how big the roadblock before us might be, Jesus himself said it, the gates of hell shall not prevail. The gates of hell shall not prevail. And Pastor, pray with me that even in the midst of trying times as I serve my Lord, that I would realize 
that He's in control and His will will be accomplished. I just need to keep the course, trust Him, and stay faithful. Could I pray with you this morning? My hand's up. Just slip your hand up and right back down. Hands all across this auditorium. I'm going to pray, and when I'm finished praying, I'm going to invite you to come to the altar if you're able, if you would choose to do so. If you're unable and, and can't, then right there in your comfort of your seat, I hope that you'd lift up your hearts and your, your prayers to the Lord and say, God, here's my heart. Here's, uh, here's my desire. Here is, uh, I'm just trusting in you. And here it is, Lord. Do with it as you please. Our Father, we do thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for this message. We thank you for Abraham. And, and he wasn't perfect. None of us are. But God, we know that uh, he, he had a, a faith in, in the one that is perfect, that is you. He lived his life striving to be faithful and following you and trusting you. And you made a promise to him. And although it didn't happen on their timetable, we know that your promise, promises always come to pass. Lord, I ask now that you would just help us to trust you in the midst of the darkest of hours. Help us to trust you when it seems like everything might seemingly be lost. And knowing that you're in control and that your will will be accomplished because all things are possible in you. Lord, have your will and your way in this invitation. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As the music begins to play, the altar is open. If the Lord spoke into your heart this morning, I want to invite you to come to the altar. Kneel before him. If you're unable to kneel, right there in the comfort of your seat, though, if you call out to him and say, Lord, here's my heart. Here's my, here's my plea today. The plea of Abraham we saw earlier this morning was, Lord, I want your presence. Don't pass from me on this. Maybe we need to just kind of recommit ourselves to our time with the Lord. Not saying that you don't have it, but maybe we've kind of just made it mundane. Maybe we've kind of just made it part of our schedule, and we kind of rush through it, and uh, just to get it over with, so that we can move on to the next task. And if that's you this morning, maybe you should call out to the Lord and say, "Lord, here, here's my prayer, and I'm committing today to spend time with you. And I don't want that time to just pass and just be quick and and done with. But I want to actually read your word. I want to pray. I want to hear from you as I read your word. Your Holy Spirit speaking to my heart." Maybe you're here this morning and, and uh, you're going through the, the, the ringer. You're going through a tough time. You've had some questions on, I don't know how God's going to get me through this. I don't know how God could accomplish this. I hope this morning that the message that if God could cause someone in the old age of Abraham and Sarah to have a child, that he has the ability to do anything. If he can, cause, if he can give us salvation, truly, he can give us anything. Lord, if we would call out to the Lord and say, Lord, here's my heart, here's my plea. Thank you for doing it, for doing these things for me. Thank you so much for being here this morning, and I'm going to invite you to be seated quickly, and uh, we'll have our up next video highlighting a few things that are up and coming, and uh, then, of course, we'll be dismissed in prayer. I'm going to ask Quentin if to go ahead and pray after the video is over to be dismissed. And we thank you for those who are guests this morning. If you are a guest, I hope that you've been able to fill out one of our guest connection cards. If you've not yet received one of those, uh, they're at the ends of the aisles there in the racks in front of you. I'd love for you to trade that in for a gift after the service is over. I just want to say thank you so much for being a part of our services today for our returning guests as well. Thank you for returning and joining us again. I'd love to be able to chat with everyone out there.